Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. My name is George, and I've been worshipping at Greyfriars for a while now with my wife, Rachel, and my two precious sons, Theodore and Gabriel. I'd like to start us off in prayer as we look at this sermon. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your unending love for us. We thank you that you died on the cross for our sins. We thank you that your love chases us and transforms us every day. So open the hearts of our heart and help us to seek your word today. Amen. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be a disciple of Christ and to truly walk as a disciple of Christ. And to do that, we've been challenged to radically transform the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak. In fact, to be a disciple of Christ requires radical transformation. And we have seen that over the last couple of weeks, whether it's radical transformation in terms of the way we behave, in terms of our faith, in terms of our money and our possessions, it is very clear that if you want to be a disciple of Christ, you need to be ready to be radically transformed. And that transformation is sometimes painful, and that transformation is sometimes so intense that God has to come into our hearts and transform our hearts so that everything else around us is fully transformed. And today I want to talk about heartfelt transformation because I believe that that is the core essence of the greatest commandment that we just read about in the Bible and one of the most challenging commandments. In fact, I would like to put forward the statement that unless and until you're ready for true heartfelt transformation, you cannot fully love God and you cannot fully love your neighbor. And this heartfelt transformation is intense, it's painful, but it's absolutely worth it. So today as we unpack this, I would like to start off by saying that we need to fully embrace how Jesus truly loves us. We need to fully embrace the multifaceted aspects of Jesus' love for us, internalize it, and live out this new identity in Christ. In fact, I'm calling it a love identity. So on the next slide... I'm here to challenge and encourage you all today to say that in order to truly love God and our neighbors, we need to have that deep inner heartfelt transformation that results in tangible outer action. And as we go about doing that, we need to fully clothe ourselves in the new identity in Christ. Next slide, please. So in this new identity in Christ, we all know that, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, 
This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. In fact, when you truly understand and appreciate God's love for you, you become a new creation. You are then able to love God truly with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors. So let's unpack what it truly means to be loved by God. And I've picked out seven key aspects that I feel is fundamental for us to have a heartfelt transformation and to be rooted in Christ's love for us. Consider this as Christ's love song over you. Consider this as Christ's love language over each and every one of us in this church and those watching online and for everyone on earth. So the first aspect is around the fact that God loved us even before we were born. Now, I don't know about you, but this is monumental in terms of the fact that Christ loved us even before we were born. It says in Job 10, 10 to 12, you guided my conception and formed me in the womb. You clothed me with skin and flesh, and you knit my bones and sinews together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. This is absolutely amazing, that first aspect of the fact that God loved us even before we were born. In terms of the slides, if you could please click through so we can see all aspects of God's love. Thank you very much. The second aspect of God's love is the fact that it is unconditional. In Isaiah 49, 15 to 16, it says, I will never forget you. In fact, it goes on even further in that passage to say, even though your mother may forget you, I will never forget you. Friends, isn't this incredibly comforting, the fact that God's love loved us even before we were born, and he says that he will never, ever forget us. Take tremendous comfort in this aspect of God's love. The third aspect of God's love language towards us is that God's love is unchanging. Thank God for that. There are days when I don't feel that I'm loved. There are days when I feel that my sins are too heavy. There are days when I feel that I just didn't get it right in terms of my work, in terms of my life. Yet, I know that I can turn towards God and His amazing, unchanging love for me. Psalms 52, 8 says that God's unfailing love lasts forever and ever. So no matter how you feel, no matter what's happened in the past or in the present, God's love for us is unchanging. The next amazing, beautiful aspect of God's love for us is the fact that God's love is permanent. Psalm 106, 1 says, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord for his good love endures forever. It is permanent till the end of time and the new kingdom that will come. It is absolutely permanent. The next aspect of God's love song over us is that God's love frees us from condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who believe in Christ. This is an incredibly liberating aspect of God's love. There is no condemnation. Come just as you are, because you will be accepted fully 
and truly by our loving God, by Jesus Christ. The next aspect, which I need to remind myself constantly, is that God's love casts out all fear. There is absolutely no fear when you come to God. In John 1, 418, it says, perfect love drives out fear. There are days where, in terms of my work life, my personal life, there are certain choices that I need to make to move things forward. And yes, I feel a sense of fear in terms of what the outcome is of that decision. But I know that if I'm truly loved by God, there is no fear. I can come to him no matter what I'm going through. I know that his love will cast out fear. It will cast out the words of the enemy and instead be replaced by God's immense, immense love for us. And the last aspect of God's amazing love language over us is that God's love is sacrificial. 1 John 3.16 reminds us, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This sacrificial love is what encourages us to love God back and to love our neighbors back. Mother Teresa goes on to even say, as she sums up God's amazing love language over us, to say that intense love does not measure. It just gives. Intense love does not measure. It just gives. These are the seven intense ways that God loves us, brothers and sisters. And I want you to fully immerse yourself in this love language because that is the identity with which Christ loves you. And if that is the amazing love language of God, then naturally we will gravitate towards loving him with all of our heart, mind, and soul. Love is a relationship. Love is a dynamic force that requires expression. And when you love someone, you express it in whatever way you want to express. But love is expression. It's a dynamic force. And because of the way Jesus loves us, we then turn to him and love him with our heart, our soul, and our mind. So how do we do this on a practical basis? Because the heartfelt love that Jesus encourages us to do transforms our hearts. In Proverbs 4, it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And if our heart is then truly transformed by God's love, by these dimensions of God's love, how do we love God daily with our heart, our mind, and our soul? One of the ways that I put it to practice on the next slide is something I call Sabbath moments. And Sabbath moments is where I take five-minute chunks throughout the day just to worship God in terms of what he's done for me, to thank him, to pray about the decisions I need to make. So there are many ways that we can do that in terms of walking closely with God. On the next slide, I would like to encourage all of us to look at these two questions and put it to practice as of next week. And the first question is, how can you worship and walk with God on a daily basis? Each one of us has a unique way of thanking God for those seven different love languages and to express our love back to God. So my one encouragement for you next week is think of one way 
that you can love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul and do more of that. And if you're struggling to think of that one way, ask the helper, the Holy Spirit, to encourage you to love God back for the amazing way he has lavished his love on us. Now, if you turn again into the Bible in terms of how do we love God back, there is a clue about how we love God and our neighbors. If this is the way I'm encouraging you to love God back, then one passage in the Bible gives us an indication of how to love our neighbors back. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. That's why it requires heartfelt transformation. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. I'm challenged by that. I, normally when we're walking, we're talking about what do we have for lunch or dinner or something more trivial. But this passage is encouraging us to talk about God's love with our children, our families, with everyone that we see around us. In fact, it goes on to say that we need to tie the love of God as symbols on our hands and bind them on our foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Write God's love on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Now, when you think of a door frame, a door frame is the boundary between an internal and an external world. A door frame separates your house from the outside world, your neighbors. The door frame of your heart, if you are following Christ's love, is the doorway for you to then express that love back to Christ and back to your neighbors. So think about the door frame in your heart. Is that rooted on Christ's love, the seven ways we talked about? Is that worshiping Christ? And if so, I can promise you, you will start looking at how can you love your neighbors better. So who is your neighbor? Everyone and anyone. Your neighbor is your immediate family. Your neighbor is your friends. Your neighbor is that relative you've not spoken to in ages. Your neighbor is your physical neighbor next door. Your neighbor is someone at work, at school. Your neighbor is someone you may not get along well with at work or at school or wherever that might be. They are all your neighbors. And Jesus is encouraging us to love them as Christ has loved us. So as we look at our neighbors and expressing our love for them, on the next slide, there are a few aspects that I'd like you to consider as you think about loving your neighbors. The first aspect of loving your neighbor has to start with what I would call is an express heartfelt commitment. What does that mean? If you truly want to love your neighbor, take the time from your heart to truly ask them, how are you feeling? How can I help you? It is not a th quick brush of, hi, how are you, goodbye. It is a truly heartfelt commitment to understand their needs and to help them with their needs through words of affirmation, through quality time, through acts of service. 
like the Torch Ministry, which is a help hub, and more information is there in the newsletter, as Natalie pointed out, or by carrying each other's burdens. This is one aspect of loving your neighbor, which I feel I need to do more of, which is how do you carry the burdens of people around you? If Jesus' love was so sacrificial where he said, I have died on the cross for you, how do we truly carry someone's burden? That's something I would like to encourage each and every one of us this week as one of the ways of loving our neighbors to see how can we carry someone else's burden and truly love them as Christ has loved us. And as you're thinking about the one way to love your neighbor, I would ask you to then repeat that and more of that next week. And if you are feeling challenged again, ask the helper, ask the Holy Spirit, how can you reveal the burden that is there in my neighbor? How can I help them? How can I serve them? How can I love them the way Christ has loved me? So as I close this sermon, I would like to encourage each and every one of us to be fully clothed in the identity of Christ's love language over us and to worship God with all your heart, mind, and soul in whatever way you feel comfortable and with the door frames of your heart upon which you write God's love, may you then go and love and serve your neighbor next week and for the rest of your lives. May you continue to experience heartfelt transformation as you fully appreciate how God loves you and thereby seek to love God and love your neighbors with all your heart, soul, and mind. Let me pray for us as we close. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your heartfelt transformation within each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, ignite the fire of love in our hearts. Let our words be kind. Let our actions be kind. Let our thoughts be kind towards you and towards our neighbors as we love each other better as Christ loved us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.